Welcome to Revolution and Ideology. This is our fourth and final episode in a four-episode series on Herbert Marcuse's One-Dimensional Man. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Marcuse's solution for all of the problems that he's been critiquing, uh, commonly known as the Great Refusal. The first three episodes basically were us explaining how Marcuse critiques what he calls advanced industrial society and the specific critiques that he has and how that all works and how specifically man is one dimensional in this society. So if you haven't watched those first three, I highly suggest that you do those. That will provide a lot of context for what we're talking about There's today. There's pretty big uh, highlights as well. His, his yeah. deprecation is, is what he's best at, for yeah, sure. Fully. Yeah. In fact, I said in the first episode, the intro, kind of his solution leaves you a bit wanting, at least in this specific work, one dimensional man. But by all means, keep watching right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, his solution to all of this is commonly referred to as the great refusal even though he only uses that term i specifically counted four times in the whole book and even then it's not really talking about the refusal um but anyways just so you know if you ever read enough marcuse or about him or hear about him this term the great refusal um is really what everyone talks about uh he's actually pretty pessimistic in one dimensional man admittedly so he doesn't actually think that there's a lot of chance to change society um his future works like i mentioned in the first episode are a little bit different and more optimistic and hopefully we'll do some episodes on those as well but in one dimensional man he doesn't really actually see a lot of chance for sort of how this is going to go down so in this section, he might, gives... Yeah, go ahead. Might be like an era thing, right? He, he writes that in 64, yeah. and then civil rights really gets hot in 67, mm-hmm. 68, 69. Yeah. Maybe he just saw a little bit more opportunity over time. No, I don't know when he wrote the other works. Yeah, that's a good point. But, no, they're yeah. later, like 68, later in the 60s and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Sweet. He says that first we have to be able to determine the viability of potential future alternatives right? Societies that could come into being. He calls them projects, historical projects. He says we have to be able to decide which of these are true in the ideological sense and which we should seek out. And he gives us criteria for how to do so in this section of the book. He says first, this is the first one, quote, the transcendent project must be in accordance with the real possibilities open at the attained level of the material and intellectual culture. So for the first one, it has to be real. We have to actually, based on the ideological and material achievements of society as exists now, we must be able to obtain whatever this ideal society is in the future. So it can't be some far off like utopia, which I'm using that term intentionally because another one of his essays is titled The End of Utopia. We'll have an episode on that as well. Um, so it can't be that. It has to be grounded in reality, something that could actually be achieved. That's the first criteria, because if it can't, then clearly there's no point in going on to any other criteria. The second criteria, he says, quote, the transcendent projects in order to falsify the established totality must demonstrate its own higher rationality in the threefold sense that. So there's three reasons that this project could demonstrate its own rationality. First, It offers the prospect of preserving and improving the productive achievements of civilization. So his first one is that it can't be a regression, that clearly no one is going to want to give up the quality of life and increase lifespan and so forth that we have achieved as a result of advanced industrial society. It must be able to preserve that. And he says that's possible. Anarcho-primitivism is out, huh? Completely out from Marcuse, for sure. Damn it. Whatever. We can go into the nuances of anarcho-primitivism, but that's a whole other thing. doesn't matter. Second one. 
It defines the established totality in its very structure, basic tendencies and relations. So it must be able to define what is going on right now, the totalitarian advanced industrial society that must be contained within the new potential future project. It must have an awareness of that and the way it exists and so forth and call that out. Third, its realization offers a greater chance for the pacification of existence within the framework of institutions which offer a greater chance for the free development of human needs and faculties. So it must function to reduce the struggle for existence among human beings and increase the chance of the free development of human potential. And like we talked about in the other episode, that doesn't mean like potential in production, it means potential in the development of art and culture and free, truly free uh, ways of living our lives. Okay, so those are the criteria for Marcuse of how we should judge future societies. Any thoughts on that? Not yet. I mean, it, it does have me thinking about uh, some recent episodes we've done on one of my favorite thinkers, uh, Subcomandante Marcos, and mm-hmm. this idea of a world in which many worlds exist. I see right. how that there is a little bit of an opportunity for those, what Marcuse is saying, how that might fit a little bit. Those mm-hmm. two two concepts might fit together a little bit as, 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 as possible. Right. So the first requirement of this liberation because the subjects of advanced industrial society must gain the ability to judge these future projects. So how does that happen if society is completely totalitarian, right? He says, the first requirement is that the subjects must be, must be able to remove themselves from the unending indoctrination of advanced industrial society. So they must give themselves the opportunity or carve out for themselves the opportunity to escape even briefly, Marcuse doesn't specify how long this must right. go on, briefly escape the totalitarianism of advanced industrial society. We have recently done an episode on Buddhism and its potential, uh, its revolutionary potential. And I actually pointed, I have a comment in my notes here, that this is where I could see how meditation could be revolutionary because it offers the chance to mentally, at least very briefly, I guess depending on how you meant it, how long you meditate and how talented you are uh, at it it gives you the opportunity to mentally escape just the being inundated with information that is uh just the fundamental characteristic of our society and when i saw that document i commented that uh, we also have a shorty uh in which nick Mm -hmm. describes um um exit voice and loyalty and this is where an actual like physical exit might also be possible although it's very difficult and increasingly like you know um um Orwellian states, right? Like it's very yeah. difficult just to like leave and go different places. But if you can find a way to exit and and create some sort of like individual or commune or something like that, we actually have a class called Stateless Society where we we go through thought exercises on the possibilities for this mm-hmm. in in a modern industrial society. So and- interestingly, Marcuse would disagree, and I wrote a comment to your comment that says it must be an exit from within. Marcuse is clear that. In order for it to have truly revolutionary potential, it must happen from within the current system because only then would you gain the awareness necessary to really challenge the current system, which I think is kind of so, interesting. I don't fully this agree. this is where I would I, argue with him that mm-hmm. it's very difficult to have that meditative process mm-hmm. or that subjectivist revolutionary in your mind while you're still like wandering Walmart yeah. and shopping on Amazon. Nah, and he doesn't say so, it's easy for sure. So you, yeah. so I would argue you kind of actually have to do both where the material and the ideal have this reflexive relationship. They, they always have a re- reflexive relationship in creating the hegemony. Mm-hmm. They also need to have that reflexive relationship in breaking the hegemony. That right. would be my argument. Mm-hmm. But... 
Marcuse says that this will be a, quote, unbearable nightmare. And I'm going to read his description <laughs> of it because I like it. The mere absence of all advertising. Keep in mind he's writing this in the early 1960s. Think about how much worse it's gotten now. The mere absence of all advertising and of all indoctrinating media of information and entertainment would plunge the individual into a traumatic void where he would have the chance to wonder and to think, to know himself, or rather the negative of himself and his society. Deprived of his false fathers, leaders, friends, and representatives, he would have to learn his ABCs again. But the world, sorry, but the words and sentences which he would form might come out very differently, and so might his aspirations and fears. To be sure, such a situation would be an unbearable nightmare. While the people can support the continuous creation of nuclear weapons, radioactive fallout, and questionable foodstuffs, they cannot, for this very reason, tolerate being deprived of the entertainment and education with, which make them capable of reproducing the arrangements for their, their defense and or destruction. The non-functioning of television and the allied media might thus begin to achieve what the inherent contradictions of capitalism did not achieve the disintegration of the system. The creation of repressive needs has long since become part of socially necessary labor, necessary in the sense that without it, the established mode of production could not be sustained. Neither problems of psychology nor of aesthetics are a stake, at stake, but the material base of domination. Unbearable nightmare. This would be to truly escape, but it's necessary, which is both unfortunate and um, interesting. But so, see, this is where I would critique it. Again, we, we really enjoy every part of his critique of society, but this solution is just not groundbreaking at all. I mean, Plato wrote about this in the Allegory of the Cave centuries ago and how painful it was when your eyes meet the sun and how hard it was for them to adjust as like the metaphor for the pain you'd endure for even leaving this like classical era like indoctrination. Mm -hmm. what's, what's novel here? Well, that's what we're getting to. Okay. The great refusal part, what I just described, is not necessarily new, as Jared alluded to. This is what I think is need, is necessary, and it has to do with his psychoanalysis uh, and his way of thinking there. This removal serves very critical functions, and it's these functions that are key. And later on when we talk about some other, his essay, End of Utopia, he expands on this even further. So he says, the first thing that must happen is that the subjects of advanced industrial society must develop new needs, their true needs. This is in contrast to their false or repressive needs, which are imposed upon them by advanced industrial society. So we think we need the new iPhone. We think that we need the new like television set. We think we need a new laptop and like and so on. You can get the idea. Obviously, none of those existed in Marcuse's time. But even back then, right, this consumption of technology, these are not true needs. And I think everyone knows that, but we don't know what our true needs are. And we need to gain the ability to identify the false needs and redefine our needs so that they become true true what we actually need and this would would completely remove also everyone's super cliche go-to maslow's on this as well like that, that that's got to go to that's part of the system he doesn't provide examples nor will we even provide examples because it is literally impossible to know what human beings truly need because we are incapable of two-dimensional thought going back to marcuse's ideas you could only figure that out by and through removing yourself from society in some capacity for some amount of time, right? So we can't even like venture a guess at what these true needs might be, but that's required. Second, as a result of the removal of oneself from society, from this constant indoctrination and so forth, the subject will redefine themselves. 
the subject of advancing industrial society would reemerge, and Marcuse calls this as a new historical subject, capable of, quote, knowing and comprehending facts and of evaluating the alternatives. He suggests that the subjects of advanced industrial society are not capable of doing that, that we are not capable of evaluating future ideal societies because we don't actually know what we truly need. We or are. We, need. Exactly. we can't even identify ourselves. We want to. Obviously, there are curtain measures, like in, in both political and social and even economic, uh, about how we identify, like whatever that identification is, whether it's ethnic or racial or religious or political or, or gendered or, or our sexuality, like in all of those, every one of those, and this is going to be wildly offensive, are still manufactured under the auspices of... Oh, it's not even of, offensive. He gets of, into that in Eros and Civilization. Of, of, yeah. Yeah, modern industrial society. They yep. are all mere byproducts of that. And mm -hmm. in, in this definition would all be false. Yep. Our identities are manufactured as a result of the technological process of advanced industrial society. And in order to know both what we need and truly who we are as individuals and as a society, we have to remove ourselves from it. That's Marcuse's uh, first. That's the great refusal, really, for Marcuse. The second thing we have to do is generate a qualitative change in technology. I alluded to this in the first episode when we were talking about Marcuse's concept of technology. Remember that he... Uh, His critique was quantitative. Yeah, exactly. So he says, quote, the technological transformation is at the same time political transformation, but the political change would turn into qualitative social change only to the degree which it would alter the direction of technical progress, that is, develop new technology. For the established technology has become an instrument of destructive politics. Such qualitative change would be transitioned to a higher state of civilization if techniques were designed and utilized for the pacification of the struggle for existence. So, going back to the episode when we talked about the irrationality of rationality and so forth, we can't just have more of the same. We can't have a quantitative change in technology. We must have a qualitative change in the way that specific items are invented and applied in the technological process. So continuing to improve a satellite or a phone or a car and, and, then, and then having this like celebration uh, about how advanced it is and so on and so forth as some sort of innovation is absolutely the incorrect way to go. Like again, I used the example in that first episode that an iPhone 12 or whatever number we're on at this point is really no, not, not that much more advanced than what Alexander Graham Bell had put together back in the 1800s. And, and, and it's because its function is still the same. Good. So... We must escape this cycle, this cycle of continuously having more and more and more and more in technology. We must change the way in which technology is thought of, invented, applied, and so forth, and the ways that our economic system, political system, art, culture, everything relates to one another, right? And we can only do that if first we redefine who we are and what we need, because Marcuse suggests that technology, the social process now, is oppressive, that the specific techniques are applied right. in a way that results in oppression. Which is super radical if we think about it. I was just yes. thinking about this. Like mm -hmm. even extractive, we understand how extractive resource extraction is wildly oppressive, but merely switching that to like wind or solar or hydroelectric still uses, it's, it's not a radical enough change. Mm -hmm. It's still the same technology or extractive technology process, different type of extraction and probably much less harmful. I, I'm well aware of that, right. but still an extractive process that perpetuates modern industrial society to not actually have to look in the damn mirror. 
So in order for us to create a technological social process that would result in true liberation, we first have to know what we actually need uh, to define that liberation, which is incredibly important. Um, I have a quote from Marcuse here that I like. He says, quote, a strong caveat must be stated, a warning against all technological fetishism. Technics as a universe of instrumentalities may increase the weakness as well as the power of man. At the present stage, he is perhaps more powerless over his own apparatus than he ever was before. So this is Marcuse's warning that more technology will just repress us even more because specific techniques can be used to liberate or to oppress and more technology will just resort in more oppression if we don't change the qualitative way in which it is invented. Yeah, back to the phone. I'm so free because I have mm-hmm. all the information and I can do everything on my phone. But yes, the state can track me on my phone. People I don't want to contact me can con- contact me. I now have less free time because I feel compelled rather than working on an eight hour schedule. I'm working on a 24 hour schedule because I've access to information all the time and my emails and my texts and so on and so forth it is absolutely the 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 absence of liberation right so marcuse talks about in this section how the criteria basically for judging future potential societies but he says before we can do that we must remove ourselves from the existing society so that we get to know exactly what we need for real true needs and who we are true identities right so what we want and who we are. And then from there, we can qualitatively change technology as a social process, the modes of production, the political systems, and so forth. But only once we actually know what we truly need through liberation, can we even begin to have conversations about changing the current system. So any closing thoughts on the great refusal before we move on? Like I said, I really, it's one of my favorite books of all time. I, I do wish it got a little stronger, but we've had that critique of all kinds of like philosophical books in this. That yeah. they're, they're, and, and it's actually a critique that, that we share of ourselves as well, that we are super good, or I guess that's debatable. I mean, if you're watching us, you must think we're all right. Good at deprecating the present, but we also uh, oftentimes like fail in really illuminating what our vision of what's next and the path to get there. Like we, we struggle with that a little bit. Yeah, and I think Marcuse falls in line with the... Marxist way of thinking that like it's impossible for the people living in society now to imagine what the society in the future could possibly look like because we have no idea what what we would become as a result of the revolutionary process. So the paradigm shift would be so profound that us in the pre-paradigm shift mm-hmm. can't even imagine it. Exactly. Right. Yep. Which okay. I think is fair. I can't really disagree with that. Sure. I mean, it goes in line with it, right? We have to invent a new new needs and really new people like we will be completely different people that will be unrecognizable from the past so how could those people possibly think of what the future could look like right it's interesting to think about all right that ends our series on one-dimensional man specifically we'll have some other episodes coming up in the future on other uh, works by marcuse uh, find us online revolutionandideology.com we are on twitter at rev and ideology if you really, really love what we're doing, you can support us on Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash revolution and ideology. I am Nick. Jared. Later.